Yo, everybody, it's Ray here from the Endian Podcast. Hope all you all are thriving. I uh, have another great conversation for y'all this week. We sit down with Endian alumni partner. I'm Abraham Lincoln grad, Alev Zor, who's also a counselor at uh, Excel Academy and Intensive Pathway School, uh, located in Southwest Denver, and somebody who inspires me, just um, someone who, you know, is an example that you can grow, you can stick to your goals, and uh, you can utilize that growth to come back to your community and uh, make a make a real big difference and impact one student at a time, um, while at the same time, like holding, you know, what does it look like to change systems? Um, real good conversation around some of the things that you have to navigate that they don't teach us in school, and uh, really excited that we just have so many great leaders um, that are, one, rocking with Ednium, but two, that are back in um, our neighborhoods and making a difference. Hope y'all enjoy. See you on the other side. Peace. And we live. What's up? How's it going? Oh, man. You know me. I'm, everyone, we're doing this via Zoom because I messed up twice. You know what I'm saying? So um, I'm doing all right. You know, I'm just, I'm glad you gave me the grace you gave me. You're still rocking with us today. Yeah, I get it. It life happens. So, <laughs> yeah, it's like people perceive you got all the, everything taken care of. And have you ever heard the analogy of like the duck in the water? Where it's oh, like yeah. they look real calm, but they're kicking at the end, like underneath the water. That's that's how it feels some days. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm thank you again for being here after work. I'm sure you're drained a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Um, but tell the world who you are and what what work is and how you got here. Okay. Well, my name is Alejandra Ventor. I go by Ale. Um, I am a school counselor at Excel Academy. Um, I've been working there for about um, a little over a year. Uh, I love it. I feel like I've been in the education field for a while now, but for about five years, I was in the behind the scenes type of deal. Mm-hmm. And now I'm in the front lines of working directly with students. And I, I love it. Like I wake up and I don't, I don't dread to go to work. Like I just dread waking uh-huh. up early, but yeah, that's a blessing, though. Mm-hmm. A lot of people waking up bad where they have to go. Yeah, you know. Yeah. yeah. How did you get to? How did you get to the point where you were a counselor? You said you were behind the scenes. Like, yeah. what was that transition like? What did that look like? Um. So I graduated from um, MSU Denver with a bachelor's in human services, and my concentration was high risk youth. Mm. So I always had an idea of like. I want to work with youth. I just, I just know it in a teaching capacity, I wouldn't be so successful. So I ended up looking for jobs and then I, I found a a youth advisor position with the Colorado department of education. Mm -hmm. At this point, I was like a recent college grad. I'm like, I don't know what the Colorado department of education is, but let's find (laughs) out. It sounds fancy. It sounds fancy. (laughs) <laughs> I job in my depth. That sounds legit. So yep. <laughs> I, I applied for it. Um, I was 
I was really digging like the the work that they were trying to focus on. Mm-hmm. So they received a grant that was focused on mental health, mm-hmm. specifically for education. Um, and they really wanted to focus like bringing that youth voice at the state level mm-hmm. with the, the school districts they were working with. Um, but they felt like if they had an older folk talking to you, like, would they really be honest or yeah. would they just be bluffing? Yep. Uh, so they're like, you know what? We need to hire a young person to mm. do this work. So the position was actually, um, and I know there's laws around this, but was um, they were looking for somebody who was between the ages of like 18 and 25. Yep. Um, like that someone was, that's relatively more representative of the population they were trying to serve. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So that's where I ended up. And I ended up working with uh, three school districts. It was uh, Thompson, which is in Loveland, mm-hmm. and Aurora Public Schools. Mm-hmm. And then the third one was uh, Fountain Fort Carson up in like Florida Springs. Yeah. 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 Um, so we did a, a bunch of work of trying to get like feedback from youth about like, What's stopping you from getting mental health services? What is working? Like, what do you think would be beneficial for you across the state to be available? Yeah. Um, so it was really awesome. And then eventually I aged out from that position. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I they said, you're too old. Damn. And then I said, like, you're too old for this. So um, <laughs> you know, find you a new job. <laughs> Um, and it was cool. Like, uh, after that, um, I was still, my work was still focused around mental health and education. Um, and eventually I became the youth mental health first aid coordinator. And I don't know if you heard about the, the trainings that there are for youth mental health first aid. Uh, no. So back then it was, a like an eight hour training, mm-hmm. um, and it would teach you, the signs of mental health disorders, what to look for. And then eventually like the second half of the training would be focused on, okay, if you have a youth that is suicidal, how do you approach them? Like what questions to ask? And that training, we had funding for to provide training for any school district. And I was mostly training teachers, um, custodians, bus drivers, um, their SROs, um, like a variety of, of schools. Yeah. Did a lot of people take y'all up on that? Like, back was there then, a lot of folks that signed up? Back then we had a lot of, of individuals interested, especially because the state was covering the cost. Yeah, that makes sense. So, um, because if not, I uh, can't remember how much a training was, but um, just to get trained yourself was about like five grand Damn. to be an instructor. And typically we had a training for train the trainer. Mm-hmm. And we would cover the costs. So we had school districts reach out and say, Hey, we need a trainer to have like within our district that can, I don't know, be part of their job responsibilities to train our staff or PDs or something. Yeah. Yeah. And I really loved it. And I think that's when I realized I was like, I really want to work with students directly because 
that's where like on a daily basis, I would hear how a teacher was talking to a student and how like their conversation um, was, it went from like being concerned about the student to like developing this trust, strict relationship. um, And just like, just thinking about like, I want to do that. I want to build relationship with students versus teaching um, adults the tools that they need. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that interaction could be the other way around too, right? Like that interaction could be a bad experience that ends up harming. Exactly. You know what I mean? So it's good that like, and you're back in the neighborhood able to do that for folks. That's what makes me most excited. That's what I was most excited about. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're a Lincoln Lancer. Lancer's for life, homie. Even though I'm not at Lincoln, I'm still in the Southwest area, which yeah. I, I call home. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So what did you, what did you learn through that? Through, like what? I don't know. Edmund's trying to figure out, you know, a lot of alumni are interested in this conversation around mental health. Like there's been work going on for a long time. People trying to figure this out. And it, seemed, it hasn't seemed like we've been able to crack the code. And the, the, the closest thing I could get to cracking the code is exactly what you just said is like, we need to be able to build relationships. You know what I mean? Like, what are you seeing through that experience? And then now your experience as a, as a counselor, like what, what are the things that are in the way from being able to do this at scale and really make sure our babies are taken care of? That's a lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like there's, there's different parts to it. So, um, like before I said, like I had no idea what the Colorado Department of Education was. Mm-hmm. I literally thought it was like superintendent, principals, teachers. Like that was all I thought education was. Mm. I didn't realize that there was like this whole system behind it where it's more like policy focused. Mm-hmm. And I feel like my job or when I was, I had the job at, at CDE was very eye-opening. I was like, wow, like schools have to go through so much like yeah. um, barriers, basically like challenges. And yeah. it, it just made me realize like at some point I was always like, we, we need to change the system, but <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize how big the system was. Oh man. Yeah. How much, uh, work and I don't know I don't even know how to explain it like it takes a lot to change a system and sometimes it's hard like you have policies that will take 10 steps forward but then like take 20 back in mm-hmm. some areas so it's a it's hard no, I feel it, man. I mean, I think I've told the story on the podcast before of like, <laughs> I got into a position that I thought would really leverage me, like put me in a position where I could really change education. And like, in a lot of ways, we made a lot of cool impact. But like, mm-hmm. I got kind of like, because there's a whole other layer of it of the politics, right? And like, the competing priorities and the, you know, and we forget that people are people. And like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And we forget that students are people sometimes. I feel like, when we have these mental health conversations, we're looking at these numbers and the statistics and like, that's an input, something we should look at for sure. But like you said, like you realize like how big it is, mm-hmm. how, ch- how, how, how media it is that uh, like, and then how do you, how do you systematize relationship? 
Uh, I have no clue. You know what I mean? We're trying to figure that with that with that name too. Like, how do you how do you how do you make sure that somebody feels like they're they're seen and heard? Shout out Perla, go listen to her podcast. But seen and heard seems to be the underlying thing I'm hearing from from folks all the time. You know. And that kind of ties into the other part. I was going to say that sometimes there's like these careers that are out there that's like our communities don't know about. Mm. And sometimes it's because our students aren't exposed to it. Yeah. I like, yeah. I, I don't think I've ever was exposed to a, a state employee or a government employee mm-hmm. doing all that work, you know? So mm-hmm. when I landed, I'm like, I have no idea what I'm getting myself into, but it sounds cool. <laughs> yeah. I think there's that. I think that's a lot of people too. Like, like I didn't realize there's so much that I've learned over the past, like couple years in terms of just what runs our city and what runs education. Like, mm-hmm. and you didn't know that there was these committees. You didn't know that there's these different, um, you know, th- like in the, in the district you live in, there's like district councils mm-hmm. that like make an impact on your thing. I didn't know what CDE was for the longest time. Like, we kind of just like went to college and said like, all right, cool. Let me get, try to find this like fancy title. That's not kind of sounds cool. Let me sign up and get to rocking. You know what I mean? Um, how do you, well, first of all, actually, let me ask you this question. <clears throat> Cause I'm, I should be clear on it and I'm not. What does a counselor do in a school? Like, what would you say your primary function is on paper? And then what does it look like actually during the day? I'm glad you asked that because I feel a lot of people don't know what that is. So counselors focus on different areas. Like it's not just, hey, Liz, can you change my schedule? Yeah. Um, so we do focus on like the academic aspect of what their graduation requirements are. And then we help them with also like the social emotional piece. Um, and then obviously finding like that career exploration. Um, Some schools might focus more on one part than the other. Um, For example, and I I mean, I'm not very familiar with like elementary school counseling, but that one's a little bit more focused on like social emotional learning and Mm -hmm. teaching those soft skills of um, like boundaries and healthy relationships. Whereas like, High school, we're a little bit more focused on obviously the graduation requirements, um, figuring out a plan of what they want to do. And there's a by state law, there's the ICAP, which is individual career and academic plan. Um, so that's a big piece of helping students figure out, like, okay, I'm almost graduating. Yep. What what are my strengths? What are my my like what fits with what careers fit with my personality? Mm-hmm. Um, because you'll have individuals that you can totally see that like entrepreneurial skills, right? Yeah. And some you might see more of the artistic side. Mm-hmm. You'll see like, okay, that individual is going to be successful mostly in this area. And usually they'll do an assessment and there's like top three results that they'll get. So for example, um, somebody who is hands-on might get realistic. And Mm -hmm. let's say they're also 
they also get entrepreneurial. So it's like a personality test kind of a thing. Similar. Um, But we help students with, with uh, the assessment and figure out like what, what careers might, might work for them. Um, And you have to do that while at the same time, making sure they graduate and make sure that their, their mental health is like, that they're solid. Yes. Like that's, that seems like three different jobs. Yes. Damn near. Like, like three different departments. <laughs> like one day I might go from, um, you know, talking to a kid that, or a student that is um, stressed out because you know, they're on the edge of like, they might or might not be on track to graduate. And mm. sometimes it's like, okay, this is what, the plan is and you need to advocate for yourself talk to your teachers um mm-hmm. and sometimes like i don't know if it's like the authorities piece that intimidates yeah. you um but i'm always willing to i'm like do you want me to start the conversation with your teacher like how, how can i help you be successful yeah um because when like when we see the potential for them to graduate on time that's mm-hmm. when I'm, I'm not letting you quit like <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's not like, you need that man yeah like we yeah. even have like students coming in like sometimes asking like i think they're at the verge of like just giving up they're like okay what if i just do a gd program mm-hmm. you're capable of doing what you need to to graduate and then yeah. we have like those other students that um that are just, I don't know if they're just like hungry to learn. Mm-hmm. And we have like, we also like work with students, setting them up for concurrent enrollment, mm-hmm. um, taking college classes while they're in high school. Mm-hmm. So it's a, a variety of things that, that we do. Yeah, no, it's a lot, man. I mean, I think, how do I say this? without sounding mean <laughs> but like like what i what i hear from a lot of people and like from the students that i talk to to even like the alumni that we work with is that either they didn't know who their counselor was you know what i mean or they didn't trust that person and they felt like that was the person i was supposed to just like shepherd them and then like it might be different at excel because it's a smaller school but like at lincoln I remember my counselor sent telling me like, yo, I got like 400 kids in my caseload, like 500 kids in my caseload. Like, bro, like get your shit together <laughs> or not. Like he didn't have that time to, for that, like individual, you know, type of support for me. You know what I mean? Um, which luckily I was able to get through the future center and, and like different, different spaces. And I'm not, I'm not discrediting him by any means, but it's mm-hmm. just like, it seems like we're asking a lot out of this one position. And it seems like it's being, kind of the the conversation is if we just have more counselors or if we just get the one counselor into the school all of our problems would be solved the mental health would be solved yeah you know what i mean and i'm like well that's crazy to expect one person to be able to do all of that in a in a meaningful way for every student um am i tripping on that no that's totally accurate um so like one of the reasons why i wanted to become a counselor i I really connected with my French freshman counselor at Lincoln. Uh-huh. And after that, like depending on the school, some will change it depending on grade level and give, they might do it by last names. So mm-hmm. it's all different, right? Um, so 
I really trusted who I had like built the relationship with that first counselor in that, right? Yeah. Afterwards, I, they kept changing my counselor. And I'm like, I don't want to keep uh, in this relationship. Yeah. So I feel like that's that just one of the things that, that it's challenging at a big at a big school. Um and honestly, I was nervous being in a small school because mm-hmm. I was picturing myself at Lincoln working mm-hmm. with students, you know. But I love the a small school because you do get to build those relationships. Um, I want to say I remember most of my students' name or last name, you know, and yeah, um, I'm able to tell them like, okay, we need to follow up on this or how's this class going? I know you were struggling, and sometimes like those schools that are thinking of just having one counselor is going to fix everything, like it doesn't. Um, because you have to consider like, so before I started at Excel, there was only one uh, male counselor, right? Mm-hmm. So um, female students might feel more comfortable talking to yeah. me about like some, something more personal, right? Or relationship. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I remember you posted on Instagram one day of like the counselor knows all the tea. <laughs> whatever like the, <laughs> who's dating who who's talking to who what's all the cheese yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if my students are going to listen to this but um <laughs> yeah they tell me a lot <laughs> <laughs> but that's a blessing it's probably a sign of you being good at what you what you do but i was i was thinking about that when you posted it i'm like man like one of those adults knew all my business when i was in high school like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I think back at my high school experience, I'm like, oh my God, I'm like, these teachers and counselors like knew everything. Yeah. My wife too, Michelle, she was a secretary for a long time. Um, She worked at like Summit Academy and everything. She'd be like, yeah, like the cheese man of the day. And like, but at the same time, like I say that in jest, but like, I'm assuming like there's some kids dealing with some real shit, like Mm -hmm. that you have to hold. Like, how do you hold that type of weight when someone hits you with something that's like really real. Like I think about when I had to have a conversation about, you know, uh, my wife and I getting or my wife getting pregnant when we were 16, like mm-hmm. and not knowing what the hell to do. Like, how do you hold that <laughs> for so many people? I, I couldn't imagine what that, what that's like. I think like when you have like a team, that mm-hmm. they're really like passionate about helping students. It makes it easier to like, like working with the, the social worker. Yeah. Um, the a student came to me and they said like, I'm pregnant. I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. First I was like, Oh shit. Like wouldn't, I, I don't know what to tell them. <laughs> so yeah. I think my, my instincts, like obviously acknowledging that they trust me and saying like, this is, this is heavy. This is a lot for you to carry. Um, like, is it okay if we bring somebody else mm-hmm. in this conversation? And most of the time students will say, yes, that's okay. Especially because you're like respecting their privacy mm-hmm. and asking for their permission versus yeah. just going out and telling the world, you know? Yeah. So, so I think like having a team helps a lot that makes a lot of sense that makes a lot of sense. so you don't have to carry it all yourself yeah and then afterwards yeah. you i mean we have to keep in mind like right uh for 
when HIPAA laws and like making sure we're not breaking anything. And once you bring a team, a team member, you're able to vent and say like, oh my God, like that brought up this for me or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Do you have a hard time separating like work when you get home? Um, not usually. I feel like sometimes, uh, I do think about like students, um, outside of work just because I'm like thinking about like, what are they doing? Are they okay? Are they safe? Um, just because like right now I feel that, I don't know if if it's the pandemic or, or what, but like substance use has been a, a issue um, that I keep hearing about. Um, and that's very concerning. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if the students just don't realize like the harm that they're causing themselves. And sometimes they might not realize what they're actually taking. Yeah, bro. That's the scary part. Yeah. Like this whole like fentanyl thing that's happening. Mm-hmm. Like that shit's scary. Yeah. Um, and like when you're that age, you probably you just feel invincible, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that ain't gonna happen to me. Yeah. Well, do you our do you, uh? Has, go oh, ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, our school even has a a mental health provider who's a substance use prevention specialist mm-hmm. um, that we received through a grant from CBE, and um, their job is to work with students who have been referred because of substance use. Mm. So Excel really does have a lot of like wraparound. Like do most schools have that? I'm not sure, to be honest. Uh, yeah. well, it, this one was based off of grant. So I don't know how many schools have received this grant. Um, yeah. But I mean, our student, I don't know if people are familiar with Excel Academy, but most of our students come from other high schools that the traditional setting did not work for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes they do need like that multiple, yeah. um, I don't know how to explain it, like different areas supporting them yeah. to be able to be successful. Yeah. How do, how do students at Excel, and I ask this to most people, but like, how, how do you see students defining success for themselves um and i ask this because i you know we're doing these school-based design lab things and Mm -hmm. building these partnerships excel being one of them here soon Mm -hmm. and 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 one of the schools that we were talking to like we talked to their leadership team we talked to their students and we talked to their counseling team and there seemed to be like across the board a lack of like clarity around what success in education meant you know what I mean? Um, there seemed to be a questioning about like, what are we actually doing here? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I'm always curious, like from a, from the student's perspective of what you're hearing when you're talking to folks, like what do you see their def- definition of success being right now? I hear a lot of them saying that it seems like a lot of them want to build their own business, um, mm-hmm. provide for themselves, help out their families. Um, there's some that talk about like investing, which mm-hmm. at their age, well, when I was their age, like I never thought about investing, which yeah, I think it's amazing that they're thinking about that. Um, 
yeah, the NFTs and all that, Bitcoin and all that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they, they go from like cryptocurrencies to uh, um, investing properties to basically breaking that like generational poverty cycle. Yeah. yeah. Um, some of them will be straight up with me because of ICAP. They'll be telling me, Miss, but I don't want to go to college. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. There's other options. What do, what do they tend to do if they don't go to college? Or like, what is their, do they typically have a plan? There's a variety. Some yeah. decide that they want to work right, right after high school. Um, others, maybe their family have a business and they, they're going to help on with yep. that. Um, some prefer to do like an apprenticeship. Yep. And um, others prefer to go like a technical college or community college. Mm. Those are probably mm. the common ones. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I've been thinking about this and I know you said you were, it's been on your mind too around the whole college thing and, and who's it for? Is it, you know, um, we had Naked Dana on from DSF and we did this project. I don't know if I told you about it, but we did this project with uh, really looking at like why Latino males in particular seem to be persisting at post-secondary at lower rates than anybody else uh, was the question. And there's a couple of things we heard from that. Like we did three kind of conversations, one with uh, folks that graduated college, like did the traditional route, folks that mm-hmm. dropped out of college and then folks that never went and like, you know, went on one of those paths. <laughs> and it was just interesting that what we heard was like, on one hand, the people that went to college kind of felt bamboozled a little bit mm-hmm. because like they were told, I don't know, you and I were both told, think college, think college, think college. It was kind of presented in this way of like, if you just go to college, like everything else is going to be fine. You know what I mean? And I I don't want to downplay college because it helped us both, but like not in the, it it didn't guarantee anything. Like it would still require a certain amount of hustle and and, and grind and and networking. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, But like... (laughs) there also seems to be like this like barrier to entry. Like you have to make this decision and either you go to college or you don't. And then like, either way, it's kind of like, good luck. You feel me? Like you go to college, there's like a lot of people that get show up and are like, yo, I don't know what I'm doing here. Mm-hmm. Um, or there's people that didn't go, but might've want to reenter later in life. And there's no like resources for them really. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know what what's your take on it, especially in our community, like Southwest Denver. There's there's yeah, there seems to be this debate on like tracking kids into trades or tracking them outside of post secondary. But we know post secondary ain't serving everybody. Like three quarters yeah. of our people aren't going. Like I don't know what, what's your take on the whole the whole situation. Well, I do think that um, college isn't for everybody. And the messaging does have to change. Mm. It's still, I still hear it from the cheerleaders that um, at Lincoln, the message is still college, college, college. Yeah. And they're stressed out. Like the pressure that they have is intense. They, they feel like if they don't go to college, they're going to fail basically. And like I said, like there's other options like trade school, tech, like community college, um, and even apprenticeships. Like yeah. 
you can start working, learn the skills and get paid. Um, so, I mean, even when I went to college for a second, I did doubt that I belonged in college. Yeah. I think they meant to you that I was on academic probation. Yeah. Um, going from like a high school honor roll student to failing out of college. I was like, what the hell did I get myself into? Yeah, man. We, I, we heard that a lot too. I hear that a lot, like just in conversation and I, I felt it a little bit. And I, and we also heard it in that DSF thing where there's like, yo, I was a straight A student. Like I was valedictorian and I got in and I didn't know how to study, bro. Like, <laughs> like I didn't know, like they felt like they didn't have like the academic tools, nor did they feel like they had like the social tools to navigate. Like, what was it that seemed to hurt and make things hard? I think it was a mixture of both. Um, yeah. So when I started college, I was actually majoring or going for biology. Mm. And, um, you know, I tried taking like the class, like I, all the other ones I did. And then I got a D and I was like, oh my God. Like a yeah. D is considered really. Yep. So I had to retake it. I was like, okay, I'm going to join a, a study group, you know? Yeah. And I went to the study group every week. <laughs> I was under, actually like understanding the material. But then when it came down to like doing the, the exams, the homework, the assignments, I only got a point more. And I was like, uh. oh, freaking kidding me. And I still failed. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you that was hella deflating, you know, like. Yeah. And you do do even took the step because there's a lot of people that won't even take the step to join that study group. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, like, some students might encounter that and right away be like, nope, college is not for me. And mm-hmm. that's it. It's unfortunate that there's so much push for that and not for these other pathways. Yeah. What what made you persist though? Like what made you go back and, and finish? Like how'd you get over that hump? <laughs> I couldn't face my mom (laughs) (laughs) it's probably answered for a lot of folks Uh, yeah yeah so I don't know if it's because like you know I come from a Mexican household that there's no quitting there's no failing like yeah we'll have to find a way and actually I just told my mom this weekend I'm like mom did you know I was on academic probation (laughs) you barely told her (laughs) yeah I I never told her because I well, I, I don't know. I guess I was scared of telling her like, Hey, I failed. Like, I don't know what to do, you know? And I was like, I need to find a different way. So when yeah. I got kicked out out of college, <laughs> when they expelled me, I was like, okay, what am I going to do? So I ended up transferring to Metro and that's where I graduated from. That makes sense. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. I, I've been thinking about this college thing a lot and I'm like, I'm reading this book. It's called Gardens of Democracy. Shout out to Landon, Eddie, and board member. He always puts me on game. And it's, this might sound disjointed. So, like, tell me if I'm tripping. But, like, they were talking about the financial crisis in, mm-hmm. in 2028 or 2008. And uh, it's going to be super simplified. But ultimately, is like we have like a strategic goal as a company or as a country to for home ownership you feel me and like home ownership is supposed to be this thing right it's supposed to be the signifier of like the american dream it was supposed to be the signifier of like economic prosperity as a country 
Mm -hmm. um, stability and all these different things. Well, what ended up happening was we started looking at like the number of just home ownership. And then like, you know, people could do research on how the financial crisis happened, but the very simplified term, like people started figuring out a way to game the system Mm -hmm. so that, you know, these predatory loans were given out. People were taking on, you know, loans that they couldn't afford. Um, a bunch of people who otherwise weren't positioned to be homeowners all of a sudden were getting, you know, approved for these like crazy amounts of money and couldn't keep up. And then the bubble burst and, you know, we know what happened. Yeah. And so I only bring that up because it's like homeownership itself isn't a bad goal. Like that's a good strategic goal, right? Like college itself, like as a means of economic opportunity and mobility, it's mm-hmm. a good goal to have. Like it's not a bad goal in and of itself. But then I started looking at like the argument I've been making is like all the inputs that we have said were, you know, our metrics of success seem to actually, all all the things we said were metrics of success seem to actually be inputs. And so like a test score is actually an input to learning. Like it's, it's one metric, you know what I mean? Graduation, going to college, graduating college, like these are all inputs that were presented to us as like outcomes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so like people started gaming the system to show the numbers. Like we all know, I don't know if you know, I know some people that graduated high school and still struggle reading. Like, you know what I mean? Like, um, there's a bunch of tests that I did really well on that I would not be able to tell you anything about right now. Like I figured out how to take the test more than I understood the content. You know what I mean? And I'm like, so isn't education and the idea of wanting to get more kids from neighborhoods like ours in the post-secondary education to provide them the opportunity for social and economic mobility. And if like, we don't have, if we're seeing that that's not necessarily happening mm-hmm. at the level we want it to happen, like, why are we not opening up all avenues that we know of that can lead them to that goal? Am I, am I making any kind of sense? Like, yeah. Cause now like the prices of college is going up and, and yeah. like all this, all this stuff is happening. Then I'm like, do we, have we lost track of like what the purpose of that was for the sake of saying, you know, I got this degree or whatever, you know, I'm more interested in you being able to own a home, pass something down to your kids and having fulfillment in life. Mm-hmm. What's the vehicle we need to take to get there? You know? Yeah. That's my ramble. But <laughs> I just feel like we keep closing off pathways to people, you know what I'm saying? For some arbitrary reason. And I think I don't know. at the end, the the main message is like knowledge is power, right? Yeah. And I don't know if that's why college is so pushed on our students, because knowledge is something that people can't take away from you. Yeah. Um but then again. Like you said, college prices are going up. And yeah. then, um, I mean, as much as we tell students, like, apply for, for scholarships, try to yeah. wait those loans. And some, for some of them, the only option is taking out loans. Yeah. And which isn't inherently a bad thing if you know what you're going to do with it, huh. right? Like, you know what I'm saying? But at the same time, it's like, we can't tell a kid he's a failure because he took that apprenticeship that's going to pay him $30,000 while he's going to school so we could take care of his family. And then, and it's only a problem if he doesn't have a pathway back into education. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like, again, my wife is back in school. She's at Metro and wanting to be an accountant. You know, we're, that's a whole other story, but it's just like, 
it's so hard for people to get back into education. It is. You know what I mean? Like, it's dumb that we're saying, like, this is the only route, even though we know for a fact that the shit's not working at the same scale. That's not yeah. to say we shouldn't help kids get through school. You know what I'm saying? Like, I love the fact that I have a college degree. It's opened up a lot of doors. Um, but the person who teaches me how to do my taxes dropped out of high school. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like, there's there's a lot of brilliance in our backyard. I don't think any type of paperwork determines that. And I tell that to students. Like, um, I think it's important that we focus on like career exploration because yeah. some might pick a career that it does require college. Yeah. yeah. Um, being a school counselor requires a master's degree. Yeah. So if I wanted to do this job, I couldn't do it if I didn't have a master's. Yeah. So, and you better know that that's the job you want to do because it ain't like you're going to be getting paid millions of dollars to be a school counselor. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, but we at least need to have the, un- we at least have to know what, what the hell we're walking into. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and I feel like a lot of us walked in blind because we were told that's what we were supposed to do. Yeah. You know, and like, how do you just help people have a plan? That's part of the reason why I mean, we're trying to do this thing where you as a counselor, actually, when you talk to somebody, and they, I say, hey, I want to do construction. Like, can we have a space to where you could easily look up and say, hey, yo, look, there's like four people that are in construction that took different pathways doing it that came from your neighborhood that are willing to have a coffee with you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Maybe one person did an apprenticeship. Maybe one person went to college. Maybe one person did this. And there's like different avenues to get to that goal, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> But just being like, go to college or you're screwed. <laughs> like, it seems to be missing the mark when we say we care about students' life outcomes. You, know? mm-hmm. you got me going. I'm, I'm out here ready to fight. You know? <laughs> and I say that being like, I was an admission counselor. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I really, like, college transformed my life. Like, going to DU changed everything for me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I want more people to be able to have that experience. Yeah. Um, but if it's right, you know, I'd, I'd be a better student now if I went back to school now. I think once you you find like what you're passionate about and you're like, yeah. yes, this is what I can picture myself doing for the rest of my life. Like that's when I think if you ask me what my undergrad experience was versus my grad school experience. Mm-hmm. I loved my grad school experience. Hmm. My undergrad was super stressful. Yeah. It was, I think it was a mixture. I mean, grad school is still stressful. Don't get me wrong. But <laughs> a different type of stress, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, undergrad was like, you're out of high school. You're trying to figure out who you are, yeah. what you like. You're still trying to have a social life and make money, you know? So, yeah. A lot of plain pieces. Yeah, you're trying to figure out who you are. Yeah. yeah. Whereas when I started grad school, I had an idea of what my passions were and who I was, what I wanted to achieve. And even though like there's time for like, am I cut out to be a school counselor type of deal? But that was a different stress versus the one I had. Yeah. You know, they say, uh, I heard someone say that like 30s tend to be like the best decade because like, 
you know, you might, you should, you know, you, you might be a little bit more financially stable, but like, you finally know who you are. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you're cool with watching Netflix and eating ice cream. Like, you don't have to be out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you know, like you have your why, like, you, you, you know, that a lot of people figure out their why and why they're doing it. And like, mm-hmm. I, I'd make the same argument for high school. Like, does anybody really know what we're there for? You feel what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm that same type of phenomenon in undergrad where it's like, why don't we help? How do we help kids find their purpose and their vision? Yeah. Yeah. But that's just hard. Like it is. And it's hard know? to ask high school students that like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to get, I would have told you, I'm trying to get breaded up, miss. I'm trying to make all the money that that's what, <laughs> you know, teenage yeah. Teray would have said, you know what I mean? Like, well, how about oh, shit? I don't know. I'll figure it out. <laughs> I've had to that. Like, I want to buy this many properties. I'm like, I'm like, okay, how are you going to pay for it? <laughs> what job are you going to get? <laughs> yeah. I don't know, miss. You get called miss all day? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I got hit with a mister the other day. I was at a school presenting and I felt like, oh man, I'm officially washed up. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's how I feel sometimes. But that's yeah. <laughs> I feel it. I feel it. Um, well, I'm, I'm happy that you're in the, the role that you're in. Um, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm really excited all the time when I see people that come from our communities be able to go back and like make a real tangible impact in that way, you know? Um, which is another reason why I was so happy that you came and rocked with Adnium because like this is a big system we're trying to shift, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and like we got these voices, like I said, that like aren't always heard. That like hopefully this platform could just you know, start to facilitate that kind of conversation. Um, so I feel a lot more comfortable knowing <laughs> that we got you. Why, why, do you. why do you think not many people go back to the neighborhood to work? Like how many alleys are there like in our community right now? Uh, actually, I want to fight against that. Like, uh, well, you know, I coach at Lincoln. Um, yeah. And I like, I love walking in there because you see a bunch of alumni going back Word. either teaching they're working in some capacity they're coaching and mm-hmm. it's kind of like a motivator for our students to see like wow they care enough to come back yeah and get back to their community like um I don't know. Like I couldn't, I couldn't picture myself working in a different area. Yeah. I'm being completely honest. Well, when you say that, I think about Lincoln, I think about like Mike, Big E's back over there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a few folks from like our generation that are like back working. Jessica's you know? a social worker. She graduated from Lincoln. Yeah. But we have some of the paras that also graduated mm-hmm. from Lincoln. Um, and how many teachers do you think? I'm not sure. Yeah, I feel like it's a it's just great seeing like that familiar face, and then, um, like some students are like, Wait, you, you know, our gym teacher? And I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> 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 was on the basketball team when I was on the cheer team. <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh that's so cool. And like they're asking like how was Lincoln back then versus now? And um so it's it's really cool. Yeah, no, that's dope. 
And it really, so maybe it backs up the, I mean, I'm sure like other schools have this, but like you always hear like Mr. Escobar say like once a Lancer, always a Lancer. Yes, and sir. I mean, if we're going to walk the talk, like we really have to show it, you know, Yeah. And by us going back into our community, I think we're walking the talk. Walking the talk. And that's the big reason why we built Ednium. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? To, to, to go back in that way. That makes a lot of sense. Maybe there is more. There, there was that other conversation we had when on Nate's podcast where he was talking about like, uh, you know, the formation of, of like trio mm-hmm. and DSF and like, there are things that have worked. You know what I mean? Like, I think I, like I'm guilty of it at least like only focusing on like what we don't got, you know? Yeah. And it's like, well, maybe if we took a step back, we will see that this kind of stuff is being, is happening. And like, how do you then elevate it towards like the norm? Yeah. You feel what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. I am a trio product. You're a trio. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I, I think like um they they did try to like have you take some summer college classes the the summer before you started your yep. year. And it was like good experience. Like we took uh like public speaking. Like you don't really think yep. about like developing yeah. skills, you know? And yeah. now like you ask a student to talk in front of a a group and they get nervous, right? Or yep. um telling them like, I don't know, like even when they tell them like, do you want to practice with me? And they're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so remember we had a class that was like for college credit that was public speaking. There's one on time management. Um, mm-hmm. which, you know, like we're not always that great for always running around, but, yeah. um, I can't remember the other two, but one, I think one was English. I can't remember the last one, but like those college classes, like it didn't seem stressful, but they did help in the long run. Well, cause those are skills you use every day. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I would argue like you know, with the financial literacy thing is like, well, why aren't we just doing this? Like, like there's all these things that have to like supplement our education, like in the curriculum mm-hmm. that I'm like, well, why isn't that just the curriculum then? You know what I mean? It's like, I don't know. I would equate it to like, you're eating hamburgers all day and thinking you're going to take this vitamin and it's going to solve all your nutrition problems. <laughs> <laughs> you feel me? Like, nah, bro, just get some lettuce on your damn plate or like, you know what I mean? Eat that Brussels sprout. You, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, why aren't we talking about time management in high school? Like we are, but it's not like built into the curriculum. You feel what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Um, it's an interesting thing. Relationships, like healthy relationships. Like what is a healthy relationship? Like, like all kinds of things that I wish I would have known. Or I had some context for without feeling like I had to figure it all out myself. Oftentimes yeah. the hard way, you know, those yeah. are skills I can think of. Like just having those ca- like casual conversations with students. Um, yeah. Build a tea about who's dating who, and mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, you need to own up to your yeah. <laughs> and face your consequences. You know, yeah. Um, some of them are like dating in our the same building, and I'm like, it's a small school. Like people are gonna find out. So yeah, don't yeah. worry about your problems. Well, and the thing is, that shit don't change once you leave high school. Like, you still got your small social network. You still, you know, you might be in a work environment. Like, those are all things we need to have conversations about. Like, 
Yeah. Um, but we're just sending people out to the world blind. Like, go figure it out, bro. And if you mess up, that's on you. Like, it don't make no sense to me. That's the thing. Even a professional setting, like, um, I had a student ask me for help with, you know, building their resume. They've never worked. They want to start mm-hmm. working. And um, they tell me, like, Miss, I got an interview. I'm like, that's awesome. And they're like, but now, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I'm like, listen, like the interview is not just for them to ask you questions. Like you can ask them questions, see if this yeah. is a good fit for you. It's okay to say no. Don't feel obligated. Like you have to take it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I never don't know if it's like students feel bad for saying no. Mm. And I was, I was one of those students that I hated saying no. Yeah. Well, for me, I didn't say no. I still kind of have a problem with this if I'm being real. Like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say no mostly out of fear that another opportunity wouldn't come. Like, I was always afraid of missing something. So, like, I, I better take what I can while it's here. You feel what I'm saying? Um, but, like, that only comes when you don't feel like you got options. Yeah, true. You know what I mean? I don't want to say anything to make them mad yeah. or to think that I'm this this or that you know what i mean like i still deal with that to this day and i talk for a living like <laughs> you feel me oh um, well, if i'm being honest like when you first asked me i was like yeah i'll do it and then afterwards i was like what the hell am i gonna talk about <laughs> <laughs> i hear that a lot actually i hear yeah. that a lot from people so, like I'm, I'm really nervous i'm like well if i'm doing my job right hopefully like you feel comfortable yeah. once the end, you know I mean? <laughs> so I, I hope you feel good now no i do uh, it was just like I mean, I still struggle with saying that. And that time I was like, yeah, I'll do it. But then I'm like, wait, what am I going to talk about? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's one thing, I mean, and this might seem like we're shifting gears, but I, I do think it's, it's relevant to the conversation around like, uh, we had a conversation, a short conversation around like the idea of like double standards. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and like in the vein of preparing people for life and the, in the, just the, the bullshit that they're going to have, that they're going to encounter in the world that we don't seem to be, you know, taught with how to deal. Um, you posted something at one point that that struck me to the core, but t- tell me a little bit about where your mind was at when you were, when you were bringing up double standards, because you brought it up before the pod. Um, too. So I think it's been on my mind a lot because, so my partner and I were expecting our first child. Congratulations. Thank you. And for the first time, like, not the first time, because I feel like I've usually been very like, why is there like, why do we tell girls this versus males this? And um, especially like, I mean, the Latino culture, you know, like we have like those gender stereotypes. Yeah. They always piss me off. <laughs> like, like, I mean, I'm the oldest, so I didn't have like older siblings or older cousins. Mm-hmm. Um, but my youngest uncle, we're only like three years apart. So he would be out like having fun. And then I had like different expectations. Huh. So I don't know if that's why it took me a while to like start a family. Cause I'm like, no, like, fuck those yeah. I don't want to like right away. As soon as, um, I guess like, I don't know, graduated high school, they're like, Oh, where's the boyfriend at? And uh, getting married, and when are you guys having kids? And I'm like, chill. I'm trying to get my bachelor's first. Like, yeah. Um, 
and I mean, being first generation, so like nobody in our family has been to college, you know, so like, no, they don't know what to expect. And um, now it's been like, like I said, on my mind a lot because like me and my partner talk about this and like, I'm so grateful that we agree on like, yeah, there those double, double standards are like bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. A mom is going to be taking care of their child, but when the dad does it, it's babysitting. Yeah. Well, well, so that's what hit me. Like, you know, my wife and I had this, you know, we reflect a lot on our situation. You know, like I said, we had our kid in high school, you know, this, and, and we were 16. And one day she was, she was kind of telling me like, yo, when you did something for your kid, you got a high five, you know, or like, like, cause you were there, <laughs> like you were already breaking this, you know, you were already doing something special because you were doing what the hell you were supposed to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? And she was like, like the type of pressure she got uh, and the type of response she got. Like, I got it a little bit, but like, I somehow, it's real is what I'm saying. Like, you know, as I reflect on it, it's like, you know, I got high fives and it was an admirable thing for whatever reason to be a teen dad that was there, but it wasn't an admirable thing for whatever reason to be a teen mom. Mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying um and that kind of pissed me off like once i realized it it, it made me mad number one because i didn't recognize it until later you know what i mean like i felt like i couldn't be there for her in the way she needed me to yeah um but then now with you know we have a son and a daughter and like th- those conversations are coming up and, <laughs> yeah. and I, I don't i don't i don't necessarily know how to deal with them you know what i mean like because on one hand i'll also say I'm actually interested in your perspective on this is that like, there are a lot of women that were saying like, fuck those stereotypes. Like I'm gonna go forge this new path. And then there's also women that are like, yo, this is what I want to do. And we kind of like shit on those women. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like we kind of like look down on them similar to the college thing, right? Like you didn't go to college, then you're a failure. Yeah. And I'm like, well, at what point are we going to be able to set up a dynamic where someone can just, the vision of Ednium is like, how do we set up a dynamic where people can define and achieve success for themselves? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's not being driven by some kind of like underlying expectation. I don't know what you, what's your thought on that? Cause I did see it a lot. Like I, I, I do see yeah. both of those things happening at the same time. It me. Um, well, I think, okay. Let me backtrack a little bit. So when I, was in high school my mom made me sign a contract huh she she was like um i don't know if this was to prevent for me being like a team mom or whatever the case may be she's she made me sign a paper saying you will not get married until you get your bachelor's degree Hmm. i started laughing because i thought she was joking but she was dead serious so i was like okay i'm gonna sign this you know yeah i'm gonna stick to it and then you know, after I did graduate college, I'm like, do I even want to get married? Do I want kids? Like, Mm. I feel pretty comfortable right now where I'm at with life, you know? Yeah. Like when people would ask me like, um, do you have kids? I'm like, no, you plan on having kids? I'm like, no, it would put them off. Huh? You know, like, like, what do you mean you don't want kids? And I did you get that? 
did you get that same response at home and in the professional world? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, I did. And it was, it was kind of interesting because like, like I said, I'm the, I'm the oldest from like my siblings and my cousins. So sometimes I felt like I didn't have much to talk about when cousins are like having big friends. And I'm like over here, like, okay, y'all, I'm leaving the party early because I have a paper to write, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, And it's just like that dynamic, that weird dynamic where you're like, I feel like I didn't, I don't know, fit in at some Mm -hmm. point because I'm like, my goals are graduate college. And then afterwards, I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to go back to grad school. And I really don't want a kid now. Yeah. I mean, working and going to school is freaking hard. Yeah. so I was like, no, I don't want kids. And, you know, I did have to talk to my partner and say, hey, I'm planning going back to school. Yep. Eat my plans. Like, and I don't want to. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> until I finish this. Um, but then, like, once you're hitting your 30s, <laughs> mm-hmm. there's the other question that comes up. They're like, um, do you want to have kids? Like you should start thinking about it because of your biological clock and all of this. Um, I don't know. It's like a lot of pressure. Yeah. Not why I got pregnant, but (laughs) (laughs) I mean, shoot, man. I mean, I think there's just some shit that like, there's some things that like, you just can't understand unless you're in a situation where you have to deal with that pressure. You feel what I mean? Like, yeah. Like the, the the same thing holds true with, you know, the, when I talk to people and say, look, like the reason why alumni need to be helping drive the conversation education is because there's some things that you're just not going to understand if you didn't go through this system. Yeah. You feel me? Like you could talk to people about it. You could read about it or whatever. But like at some point, like there's just certain things you're going to learn by going through it. You feel me? And yeah. um, but the standard things like. I don't know why, like my daughter loves like her little like tea set or whatever, like, Mm -hmm. or not tea set. Like my grandma got her this like, it's like a kitchen thing. It's actually kind of dope. It has like a whole Keurig thing that you like push it. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, it's kind of cool. Yeah. But my immediate response was like, well, don't get her that because that's like this like stereotypical thing. You're going to try to, you know what I'm saying? But like she wanted it. She asked for the shit. So like, Now, am I, am I still somehow a slave to the stereotype because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to restrict her from this thing that fits into it. Yeah. And it's a whole, like my whole mind breaks every single time I try to think about how do I, you know, help raise my daughter as, you know, as a dad, like my mom had all boys, you feel me? Like <laughs> I'm my dad, I'm my dad's only son. Like, and so when I start to think about all those things, I'm like, damn, like, I just want her to be able to make the conscientious decision for herself, I think. Yeah. Whatever it is. You know what I mean? Um, and again, like if you do it, like you shouldn't be, that shouldn't mean that your like life and your ability to grow professionally should just end. <clears throat> you know, that's why I think my wife's so dope. Like she's been holding shit down, doing school, working full time. Like she's figured out a way to do it all, but somehow Trey's cool because he, you know what I'm saying? Like that don't make no sense. Like she's doing all the heavy lifting. Um, it's tough. 
and how, how do you do that at a systemic level? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Well, we can go into topic because just like how marketing is done for toys and Fam. all of that, like it's, it's ridiculous. But when you talked about the, the kitchen set, um, how the conversations are between my partner and I, we, I think we were Ikea or something. And we saw a little kitchenette set. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know what? Whatever the baby is, boy or girl, they're getting a kitchen. And I was like, yes, they are. <laughs> yeah. You didn't know how to cook, bro. Exactly, <laughs> Regardless of who you are. If we translate the toys into like skills, everybody mm. has to eat, you know? So mm-hmm. if you learn to cook, like that's a life skill you can carry on. Um, yeah. Like I'm, so it's me and my sisters. It's all girls, right? And yeah. there's times where I'm like, dang, I wish my dad would have taught me this, or mm. I wish he would have taught me how to change my oil. Um, yeah, tire. That's about it. But yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. There's certain skills everybody like. What are those life skills? You need to be able to cook and eat for yourself. You need to be yeah. able to manage your money. You need to be able to like. You should probably be able to do laundry. Yeah. You need to be able to fix your car. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So you're not overspending. You need to, uh, here's one thing I learned, uh, that I guess I should have known if we're sticking to stereotypes, but like the, uh, when we bought our house, I didn't know. <laughs> I thought like turning off, I didn't really understand what they meant by turn off your water in the winter. Oh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so like our thing busted and our, our, you know, like, Yo, like everybody should probably know like the basic maintenance of like yeah taking care of a home. You know what I mean? Like huh. there's all these like basic skills that everybody for some reason we've attached these like arbitrary gender roles to it. Yeah. That don't make no sense to me. Why would we handicap people? That's not the right word. Why would we why would we prevent people? Why would we limit their ability to learn shit? Exactly. You know. Mm-hmm. That's how I try to see them. Like, what skills do we want to teach this little human? And translating toys into skills is is smart. I never thought about it that way. Because I remember, like, uh, there's like little brooms and mops, you know, little vacuums. Those yeah. typically go to the girl. Yeah. Like, you don't really see boys. They get like yeah. the construction set, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> my, my daughter comes in i always make this joke with her when she asks me for stuff i'm always like all right five dollars you know what i'm saying uh-huh. you know she laughs or whatever and then uh somewhere she got like fake money or whatever so now she always comes up to me she goes dad can you get me a x y or z and then hands me uh-huh. one of her fake dollar bills i'm like oh okay at least you understand that things cost money <laughs> yeah my dad i would always ask him for favors and he's like that's a hundred bucks i'm like why yeah. so much? <laughs> he was preparing me for the real world, I guess. Yeah, man. And, and and in a lot of ways, the parenting thing relates to the education thing, right? Like, how do you be there and support somebody fully as a human? Okay. Um, you know, and like, at the end of the day, we need you to be an independent human, mm-hmm. you know, and, and uh, it, it, it's tough stuff. But like, I think, I, I think one of, again, like the thing that I'm most excited about and what I appreciate you reminding me of is that like there are people that are coming back to their communities and really trying to like change the game, you know, one student at a time. You know, I'm, I'm fortunate that anyone gets to work with you to 
make sure that we have that perspective and you know, who knows, maybe we'll be able to change that big system. You know, I hope we'll still be alive, but we'll see. <laughs> we might not. We might just be playing the seeds. A while. <laughs> yeah. Wild of people to help with that. Yeah. hundred percent. Mm-hmm. Anything else you want the world to know? How do you define success before we go? How do I define success? Yeah. Um, I define success by waking up and realizing like how grateful I am for the work that I'm doing. And for me, it was never about money. It was like just making those, like building those relationships and hoping to make a difference. Yep. Shape or form. Love it. Love it. Ain't no reason why you can't get paid doing that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, because like, I love coaching. I love coaching. Yeah. I'm a full-time job. (laughs) Yeah. But I did school counseling. (laughs) I feel it. I feel it. Well, I appreciate you coming and rocking with us. Yeah, anytime. All right. See you on the other side. Peace. All right, y'all, that was Ale. Hope y'all enjoyed the conversation. Um, as usual, reach out to us at etnium.org. If you have any questions, any guests that you want us to see, or if you want to be on the podcast, come and rock with us. Um, doing some really great work, and we are looking to support the district in hiring a uh, the manager, the person who's going to be in charge for implementing financial literacy at the district. We got some good big updates on the cultural and ethnic studies work as well. And uh, yeah, we're going to continue to rock. Um, coming up here in the next month or so is going to be the application for our leadership launchpad program. And um, Ednium is is moving full force. So I'm excited for you all um, to see the result of the work and how these conversations are actually translating into action in the real world. All right, y'all. Be easy. Peace.